This is the St. Louis Red Army Podcast. Welcome to the St. Louis Red Army Podcast. I'm your host, Red Oldham, and we are joined by PK, Kelly, Matt Hutchinson, the honorary hey, St. Louis hey. mid-forward. All right. <laughs> Legend. And we, and we have Dane Watkins on William, Shakespeare, on William Shakespeare's birthday, by the way, and he is, he is the writer. Is it really? Uh, he is, uh, so it is. It's William Shakespeare's uh, birthday. 15, How old is he? Uh, 474 years old. By the way, uh, died on this day too. By the way, so uh, born and died on the same day. And so, uh, but anyway, so it is. And, and Dane is our resident writer and honorary bartender of Amsterdam Tavern and longtime the Newcastle shirtless wonder. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and Newcastle sufferer as well. All right, we're going to be talking about that today. That's why we brought Dane in. Ryan Cassata is out on assignment today, and so we're just the four of us today. So looking forward to a great podcast, and so looking forward to seeing what you guys have to say. Um, the first thing we're going to talk about today is uh, no football in the Netherlands. Holland said that's it. No closed stadiums, no uh, you know playing without fans. Uh, they have, uh, as I recall, both, there are two teams that are already uh, that are tied for the title, and they have another team that's going to be in the Europa League, and they're good with that. Uh, PK, what are your thoughts on no football in Holland? Uh, it, it's again, I, I've said this the past couple of weeks. It, it's health consciousness first. If if that's the way Holland feels the way the best to do it, let them do it. Um, you know, we're going to look back five years from now, and it's not going to be a major issue. We're going to look back a year from now, and it's going to be a huge issue. Um, if, if that's the way that they're going to keep their players and their public safe, then by all means, go ahead and do it. If you guys can can live with yourself by doing it this way, um, professionally, personally, and, and financially, then yeah, if you need to call it quits in September, do it. If, if that's the way you're going to keep your players and your public safe, absolutely, I support their decision. Dana, jump in on this one. Yeah, I would, I would pretty much echo what, what PK said there. I don't think that uh, anything else should take priority over public health at this time, and I think that uh, the the problem UEFA is going to have is that, you know, Europe is not on a single schedule with the coronavirus, you know, it's going to have to be a country by country basis, you know, some countries might be, you know, out of the woods in the next, you know, two or three weeks or even a month and other countries could be dealing with this for four, five, six months. So, yeah, I, I think also that it's smart for the leagues to take direction from the governments, um, you know, because these are the people who are, you know, 
charged with you know running the country and governing the people there. So I, I don't have a problem with it, um, especially if they've come to an amicable solution on the Europa League spots and and you know other things like that. But like like Pat said, you know this is very inconvenient and it's crazy now, but in ten to fifteen years. Um, the priority has to be the health now and not trying to jam in a season two weeks too early, two months too early or whatever it is. Well, the interesting part too is UEFA has been pretty quiet. You know, they're running Europa and and the Champions League and they've been pretty... Yeah. (laughs) We're moving Euros, but that's it. I think UEFA has got to be the linchpin of the whole thing. And, and they're not really given a whole lot of guidance. So I think Dane brings up a good point. But the reason why I think we'd be best off if it was one consistent decision is because you've got, your, you've, got the Europa, you've got the Euros coming up. You've got World Cup coming up, World Cup qualifying. You've got transfer windows. And if each country is starting at different times, it's going to create a massive cluster. And, and how are we going to sort through all that? Like, how are we going to honor transfers? How are we going to try to have all these compressed games in a short time period and be truly prepared for a good Euro, good World Cup and all that? So I, I'd rather see UEFA come out and, and make one decision for all of Europe and everybody gets behind it and we move on. And hopefully that's the right decision to keep everybody healthy. You know, as much as I miss watching, you know, soccer and, and football and, and hockey and everything else right now, I'd rather uh, everybody be safe and, and for this thing to die off than to just keep dragging out. There's a rumor going around right now, gentlemen, that uh, uh, the Premier is actually going to try to do like a playoff format to finish the season. Playoffs? Playoffs! Playoffs! So, yes, they're talking about a playoff format, and uh, which would be interesting because I would love if they did like a one through eight seed and Liverpool got knocked out in the first round. That'd be a real win. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that'd be phenomenal. I, I, I'm sorry, man. I, I would like that a lot. But there's also an idea that they're going to start doing training May 9th. Um, okay, guys, so we all miss the Prem, man. We would love the Prem to start. Obviously, not going to be any uh, uh, any people in the stands or anything like that. Uh, with that being said, would you be in favor of a playoff-like format? Jump in. Not it. <laughs> no, I was actually the one that sent you guys that article about, about the idea, and I love it. I absolutely love the idea of a playoff. It would be absolutely crazy. One of my favorite things to do towards to watch towards the end of the the, um, the English season is watching the championship playoff and those final games, and then that final game at Wembley. It's always one of the best soccer games of the entire year. It's always mm-hmm. because it means so much. So to have that energy uh, with the Premier League and with the title on the line, it'd be insane. And it's our best chance of Liverpool not winning a title if if uh, if things you know play out that way, and we'd actually have a shot. So I'm all for playoff. I think it'd be pretty wild. It'd be a lot of fun. The playoffs for the EPL have been in, in in a conversation for a while, and it got heated for a little bit, and then it fell apart. Now I'll never forget. Um, there's a center back for the Portland Timbers, Liam Ridgewell, who who played most of his career. He played about three or four years with the Timbers, but the Timbers won the the their division the the western conference championship and they got knocked out first or second round and he was in an interview in england explaining how they won their conference but they didn't win the championship and and the english pundits were like confused like so you guys won your conference you had the best record 
but you didn't win the league. And they were so confused by that. And you look at the American model where you, you play to get in and then you go from there. Classic case, St. Louis Blues last season. And I just think as great as English football and European football is, where those games in September, those games in October, those games in, in November, December count because you play home and away against everyone and that's it. That's your shot. Um, I'd hate to see this season be decided by a playoff. I, I would hate to see the English fans get a taste of playoff and want more of it. And I'd hate to see Liverpool win this season. But I just, I just don't want to see them decide on, on such a traditional pure league as a home and away series for the entire league to be decided by a playoff. So I'm against Dana, Dana, Dana I wonder if they could start the playoffs after the, the sale of Newcastle and you could buy, buy Cavani, buy uh, Vidal, all right, buy some players, and then be in the playoff. You'd be the total wild card in the playoff, wouldn't you? Well, I, 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 I'm still wrapping my head around the idea of, of a playoff in it. But if they let the 13th place team in the playoff, then yeah, then yeah, we might be tough to beat. <laughs> um, it's a strange one. Uh, it's, it's wild to me. I, I think I, yeah, I appreciate that. I think I'd probably more err on uh, with what Pat said, that the playoffs are just kind of antithetical to the English game. But um, I guess we'll see. I, I hadn't really thought too much about that scenario, honestly. You haven't had to. Yeah. <laughs> No doubt. No. And see, and I, I don't know about all that. All right, so real quick, everybody, uh, I'll let you guys talk about it for a couple minutes. Will the Premier League finish? Yes, and in a couple sentences tell me, or no, in a couple sentences tell me why. Go ahead. Will the uh, Premier League finish? I'm leaning towards it's going to fit. I, I think they're going to figure out a format that's going to work. I think they're going to pick some neutral sites. They're going to get the players quarantined and they'll knock it out so that we can have a regular season coming up. This next one's not too compressed in. I think there's too much money at stake. It's going to finish. And I, I think there's too much, like I said, there's too much money at stake. I think it, it might look like an Olympic thing where they pick three or four venues and, and they have like an Olympic camp where all the teams have to stay and, you know, you're allowed in or let out, you know, based off a, a test or whatever. Um, there's just too much at stake between English football and, and money to not let this project end in the next three months. Yeah, I'm going to say it's going to finish as well, um, if for no other reason than so that they can do promotion and relegation because there's so much money on that and set the set the European places. So I think it'll be I've, – I've seen some things floating around that they might even just do like um, like three or four more games just to get everybody on an even amount of games and then call it. But yeah, Last something. week I think we said there's a mix between – nine and 10 or eight and nine games where right it wouldn't be hard to to even out you know if they play 36 instead of 38 it's not a big deal yeah something like that um yeah i agree there's too much money to be on the table and they need to get it done before june 30th because that's when contracts run out for a lot of players and that's when the transfer window is supposed to start so yes i think so too but do you today think in do you think today in England, uh, oh, i'm sorry do you think the contract dates and the transfer window are arbitrary at this point? Do you, do you think, you know, maybe that moves to July 15th, given the circumstance, and everyone's like, okay. 
Maybe, but then I could see a lot of agents, I could see a lot of players saying, I don't want to play three games in 10 days when my contract is up at, you know, because if we're, if, you know, if they play the games like June 15th to June 30th, they could have to have three or four games in a week. And I could see a lot of players who are, you know, entering their prime or, or looking for another big contract or maybe their last big contract. Um having a lot of difficulty with that. I mean, I think the clubs might want to make it arbitrary. The clubs might want to just extend them indefinitely, you know, another 15 days, another 30 days or whatever. But I mean, I would look at it from the players' perspectives and, you know, thinking, because these guys, you know, they, they think about trying to maximize as much money as they can get for, you know, as long as they play, which for a lot of them, you know, isn't all that often, isn't all that long, you know, five, 10 years at most. So, I think they would have a difficult time getting the players on board with that, especially when you're already asking them to, you know, go through all these tests, go through all this rapid training, play these weird schedules. And then you want to throw on top of it, the potential for injuries right on top of getting a contract. It would be, yeah. And my thoughts too is, I mean, you're almost starting another season and then, you know, how much training time do you need to, you know, fight for a title, fight for a spot, and then you get done with the season and you have six weeks. That's supposed to be your preseason for next season. Now you're compounding injuries and, and fatigue and, you know, is it another Marcus Rashford where he's out with a, a stress issue mm-hmm. in his back? You know, there you got to think this season, but you also can't let this season cascade into next season. And I think there's a difficult balance in that. Well, from a United standpoint, it's a good thing because Rashford's healthy, Pogba's healthy. We're getting our best 11 back. Yeah, we'll have and our best team of the season out there. Yeah, we would be hitting on all cylinders. Uh, by the way, the U.K. today actually is testing a, vi- a, a, a vaccine for the coronavirus, and today the, the first trial started. So, uh, so we're, we're on our way. Uh, I just think it's early. It's going to be a weird thing, but I do know this. There's about a 784 million reasons why the Premier League is going to continue because that's how much money they're going to lose. And we've talked about how all this, uh, all this money going on the table, and there's a lot of clubs right now, Bournemouth particularly, that is deficit spending right now on salaries. they got to have that money. And so I think it's going to, going to be, a, be a big uh, – uh, a big thing to look at. Let's move on here. And this is why we brought Dane on the show. Not only that, not only do we like him, but because this is a massive thing happened in the middle of this pandemic. Um, Dane's going to get ready to put blood money on his hands. He doesn't care. Ooh. I mean, it's 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 Saudi. It's Saudi I mean, oil. Oil is trading negative right now. Yeah, but you know what? There's <laughs> about four. There's about four billion reasons why this prince wants to get to the EPL and Dane. The sale of Newcastle United from the big mug salesman, Mike Ashley. Maybe no more of uh, uh, hiding this nasty uh, second-rate team and second-rate uh, sports direct. Maybe you can get the ghost of Sheer back. What are your thoughts on that, Dane? So <laughs> – uh, there's a there's a lot. That's to a unpack. great intro, by the way. That was a there's, great intro. By it the way. was it was very 
it, it, I don't know how to follow it, frankly. There's a lot to unpack. <laughs> um, there's a lot to unpack right. with this sale of Newcastle United. If you haven't been following it, or if, if, if you're watching it, for you. If you I appreciate it. Yeah. If you haven't been following it every day, like every minute, like I have, um, you might have it. all the ins and outs of it. So there's a, lot, there's a lot to digest here with this takeover. There's the technical aspect of will it go through? Because it's still not rubber stamped official. There's been hiccups. There have been, and there. This is really a, a sale that's been happening for about three years. Amanda Stavely is the woman who's basically brokering the deal, and she would be the chairwoman essentially. Um, she came on the scene back in 2017. Um, she's kind of to look at too, by the way. She is. She's very good yeah. looking. Very good looking yeah. woman. She was. Uh, yeah. She dated Prince Andrew at one point, actually. Whoa! In her salad days, yeah. Um, okay. Kind of here to actually. Yeah, that's Shakespeare, by the way. He used that phrase. So, anyway, so there's the technical aspect of it because the, a price has been agreed, everything's been agreed, it's rubber stamped, it's ready to go. Uh, but the Premier League hasn't given it its approval yet. We're still in the um, we're still in the director's test, the um, the fit fit and proper person is what they call it test, and. That leads us then to the next stage of the, the Newcastle quandary, which is the moral implications of the takeover. Because as, as despicable as I find Mike Ashley to be, um, the PIF, the Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabian Royal Investment Fund, uh, is connected to Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who has been responsible for all sorts of just you know, horrific human rights violations. We have the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, beheadings, really draconian practices in Saudi Arabia. The mess of it. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's upsetting to me in this whole, th- I mean, there's lots upsetting. What's upsetting in, in one sense to me, though, is that there are basically two camps of people who are opposed to this takeover going through. There are good faith actors, uh, people like Amnesty International, um, people who are, you know, have genuine human rights concerns, who don't want this to happen because they view it as sports washing, they view it as a an expansion of a, 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 a really vile um, government's reach to try and uh, cover up or, again, sports wash some of its you know, most heinous actions. And then there's another group of people. I would call them these bad faith actors who don't want this to go through because uh, they, don't have, they, they have a problem with Saudi Arabia from a rivalry standpoint. So that's people like the Qataris and being sports. And then there's people in England who don't want to see Newcastle be good. Um, frankly, there's a lot of reasons why other clubs in, in England would not want this deal to go through because if this deal does go through and Newcastle are invested in the way that the Saudis can invest in them, one of the top six is, is going to be knocked off. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that if, if Newcastle gets the investment from this takeover that we will be one of the best teams in England. And I Dane, think- you, Dane, I know, though, that you love the idea of digging your heel in Sunderland while they're sitting in League One, and you and here they're getting all this positive press for Sunderland until I die, and then you guys are going to be, like, pushing top six. Oh. Uh, and you got to love that. you got to love that. From a if, – if, if, if I'm able to – and that's the, the thing I'm trying to – tackle here is to separate yourself from the moral aspect of it from a purely footballing standpoint it's it's tremendously exciting it's unbelievable at 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 the very minimum 
we would see an investment in Newcastle that would, I think, take us on par very quickly with the Wolves, the Evertons of the Premier League, and then beyond that, uh, to, into the top four. Because if you look at the wealth available um, from the PIF, I mean, think about this. Sheikh Mansour at Manchester City has a net worth of $23 billion. The PIF, who so would... Eighty, who would own eighty percent of Newcastle? Oh, I thought you said twenty-three dollars. We're good. No, sorry, twenty-three billion. <laughs> yeah, twenty-three right. billion. That's Man City. The PIF for Saudi Arabia, who would own eighty percent of Newcastle, have two hundred and sixty billion, and Ben Salman has a net worth of somewhere around a trillion dollars. So, the money is unfathomable. Newcastle hey. would be able to buy basically whoever they wanted to within the financial fair play regulations, which as we've seen, don't really mean a whole lot. Yes, um, exactly. Dane, so, I'm looking yeah. at a, uh, at a pitch view of a four, two, three, one formation with Dembale up front, <laughs> Maximin on wing, Almiron uh, up in the middle, Mbappe on the other wing, uh, <laughs> long, long, uh, uh, as, a, as a defensive mid, Longstaff, Danny Rose, Boatneg, Lachelles, Kyle Walker, and Dabrowska as your, your keeper. That's a pretty stellar lineup, bud. I mean, it's it's funny that we've, uh, we've, we've seen all these crazy rumors come out that we're in for Cavani, that we're in for Mbappe or whoever. But like I said, the fact of the matter is if this takeover goes through, which is it's very close to. And if the Saudis decide to heavily invest, because we don't frankly know how much they plan to invest, but here's the thing. Why would you buy this club to bring them up to 10th? Like, there's no point. Like, if they would invest, they would really invest. And they've got the capital to do it. I, I genuinely, I, I, I can't even fathom who, who we would be after. It's, 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 it seems like Anybody fantasy football. Anybody you want. Money's no Anybody object. That's want. the thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, Football is a different place than it was 10 years ago when Manchester City was taken over. It's a different place than it was 15 years ago. I mean, do you guys get a new stadium? Potentially. I mean, St. James's Park is 52,000, but they would, I think the, the new owners would try and uh, buy back a plot of land right next to St. James's Park called Strawberry Place and redevelop that and add maybe another 10,000, 15,000. Um, it's, it's hard to say because the other thing about this investment is that it's supposed to be a full Newcastle city investment. Um, they want to, the things that you hear leaked out is they want to make Newcastle the club of the North because from the Scottish border down to Burnley, Newcastle are it. There's no other Nothing. Premier League club. And so, you know, you have a huge catchment area. Like you have all of, all of Tyneside. Um, you have everything, like I said, up towards Scotland, you have, places around Middlesbrough, you have places, you know, all throughout the North and the Northeast where you could just bring in huge amounts of, of, of fans. And we already know there's a very dedicated fan base in Newcastle itself. So, I mean, we're looking at a transformative thing. If it goes through Newcastle United, as we know it will cease to be, and there will be a new entity. It will be something like Newcastle were in the nineties is what I'm imagining. But so, boys, I want to jump yeah. in here. I want all you guys to jump in. This is what I'm, what I'm thinking. Dane, I agree with you. I think that Newcastle becomes a top six side. And, and the rivalry between Newcastle United and Manchester United is a great one. It's a great one. So, if they can become top six, who stepped out of the top six? Oh, good question. Okay. So, because right now you have, obviously, uh, the Scousers. 
you have Manchester City, you have Chelsea, you have Tottenham Hotspur, you have Arsenal, and you have Manchester United. That's the even though Leicester is kind of creeping in there now, all right, and I, and, and I'll acknowledge they're a good squad. But out of the top six, if Newcastle can step in there, who's going to be who's going to replace that's in the top six right now? Matt, what do you think? I think it's going to be Arsenal. I I, I think Kroenke has proven that he really doesn't care about you know yes. the investment he puts into Liverpool <laughs> or to Arsenal, and I think I the. The, the the biggest thing going against Kroenke right now is what's going on with the, the Rams and that stadium deal. And and he's it's looking like he's going to lose a lot of money out of that deal. And things can only get worse with the economy that's going on right now with, with COVID. So he's got financial strains, you know, on both ends. So I can't see him wanting to dump a bunch of cash into Arsenal and to compete. And I think he'll be happy to continue to get all the money that he gets at Emirates. Emirates itself, that stadium generates a shitload of money. They bring in a lot of international games. Brazil Language. comes over at least once a year. You know, they make a lot of money off of that stadium in itself. So he doesn't have to have Arsenal be super successful to, to continue to profit there. So I think it's going to be Arsenal who's going to fall out. You know, it'd be cool about that. And by the way, you got to mention this too. Kroenke's lawsuit with the St. Louis Rams. Yep. Supreme Court said, hey, babe, got to go through. Got to go through. Uh, PK, uh, who's going to who's going to drop out of the top six with Newcastle I mean, drop, stepping in? I totally think um, Arsenal's on their way out too. And I think Tottenham is too. You look at the way they're running their business. They're happy with their new stadium. You know, they're league competitors when they were leaving White Hart Lane, and now they uh, they don't care. <laughs> you look at the way the teams run, and it's just, you know, they're happy with their new stadium. They're going to get an NFL two or two games a year, and then, you know, they got yeah, that's where they're going to make their money. They don't really care. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a balance between Tottenham. I think it's going to be a balance between Arsenal. I think they're both dropping uh, quickly, and I think United, our boys, are on the way up. And, you know, as soon as that check clears, Dane, so are you guys. Dan, who do you think drops out of the top six? I can't disagree with uh, either Matt or Pat's picks. Um, I think Arsenal are in trouble regardless of whether this Newcastle yeah. takeover goes through. I mean, they're already in ninth place, and you have teams like Wolves and Leicester and Everton who are all willing to spend big, and Arsenal just aren't. Spurs, like Pat points out, are in a precarious position as well with the new stadium. I would also just add, and I think they would be the least likely of the teams mentioned, but I would make it a clean sweep and say the London teams, I think Chelsea are not as on, are not on as strong of a foundation as the other top four or so teams. They're uh, a team I was going to mention. Because Manchester City have crazy wealth. Liverpool are in a very good spot. Man United, though the success has not been there on the pitch, the Financial wealth and clout and branding is all there to almost basically ensure their continued success. You're so sweet. But, but Chelsea, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's not flattery, it's just the facts. But Chelsea are, <laughs> Chelsea are so dependent on Roman Abramovich. And, you know, I think they've been very lucky. I, they've been very good in a lot of ways this year. I don't want to take away from the fact that I think Frank Lampard has done a very good job and they have a, a, obviously a, a good youth setup. But They've been lucky in a way that the Premier League beyond Liverpool has been just kind of so average and, and con congested this year because I think under normal circumstances, I don't I think Chelsea's like sixth or seventh this year. Um, and, you know, like I said, Abram Abramovich has had his problems and run-ins with the UK government anyway. He made all of his money in oil money. And while the Saudis can drive down the price of oil and still make money at a ridiculous clip russian oligarchs can't 
Um, so Chelsea are in an awkward position as well. I think they're in a better spot than both Arsenal and Spurs, to be fair. But um, my, my third team out would definitely be Chelsea on who might drop out. But yeah, know, I, I think there's so much more money in EPL that you're getting teams that would you're getting more competitive for you're even more competitive five, six, seven, eighth place teams than you would 10 years ago, five years ago. Yeah, I mean, like I said, even if the takeover doesn't go through for Newcastle, we've already got Wolverhampton uh, and we've already got Leicester City who are basically already there. I mean, does anybody not think that Leicester is a top four team on a fairly consistent basis now? I kinda, when they're I healthy. They, when they're healthy. they got to be healthy. they got to be consistent. And this year they are. But, but they are also young. And so and I was going to say, I think, uh, I think Leicester is an interesting sort. By the way, uh, Everton's spending money, and Everton's got the manager now. And I think they're going to make a top six run. I, and plus, remember this, boys, they are building a new stadium on the wharf there. Uh, and that's, you know, on the Mersey side there. And that's, that's a lot of money. And uh, so I, I think that Everton is somebody you got to think about as well. So, uh, so think, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, so just a kind of a question for the for the for the group. Don't you guys think that this deal, from a footballing standpoint, let's put the politics and the blood deal stuff aside. Let's just talk football. From a football perspective, isn't this Newcastle deal like great for the league as a whole? Because you look at what's going on in La Liga with Barcelona, they are a mess right now mm-hmm. from leadership, and it's starting to trickle down to the players. And you look at Real Madrid, and they're trying to rebuild. You look over in Germany, you've got. Um, You've got Bayern Munich who's aging and they're trying to get themselves reorganized and, and their league's not as deep. Don't you think with Newcastle getting all this cash coming in, it's going to start to make the Premier League continue to make it much more attractive place for players to come play and it's going to just solidify the Premier League as the top league in Europe? You know, I think at some point, at some point, I think UEFA is going to step in because, I mean, last year you had a Liverpool-Tottenham final I think you're going to start mm-hmm. seeing a lot yeah. of EPL teams in the top four in Champions League because the money's there. Is Juventus going to be able to spend money with what's going on in Italy right now? Mm. PS, PSG, I think, is going to be able to spend money because they have oil money. But, I mean, you think about the, the great teams, the big teams in professional football right now. Boy, outside the EPL, you've got a handful, and they're not making the money. Well, and on the flip side of that, too, I mean, the EPL was not too long ago about to lose a Champions League spot. I forgot what season it was, but oh, yeah. know, we were about to lose one within five years. I don't remember the exact year, but, I mean, it was recently. I mean, within five to seven years, the English Premier League was about to lose it. I think you have a lot of players that, you know, want an easier life. They'll go play for PSG. I'm not going to say any names. Um, EPL is, is a t- <laughs> it's yeah. a t- it's a tough damn league to play in. You you physically yeah. have to be on point every single second of every single game you play in the EPL. You're the EPL. It's the best league in the world because one through thirteen can win any game any day. Sorry, Dan. Uh, Spain's getting deeper I, I will say Spain's getting yeah. deeper They're one through four or five now There's PSG in France um, but Germany Germany's getting there But all, all their talent's leaving They're going you know, for the bright lights But EPL it, it, it's, it's the Brungard But you know, your guys like, like 
uh, Di Maria that don't want to get beat up every game are going to go play in those other leagues. Burnley, Burnley in February on a on a Saturday at the, uh, at seven thirty p.m. That's a tough place to play, boys. Yeah, I'm they don't have right rights now. to do your hair before the game. I mean, <laughs> so all right. So so anyway, boys, I want to get to some United stuff here, but let's do two things real fast. And Dane, I'm going to let you talk on this one. Uh, the Amsterdam's still open, guys, and so uh, talk to us about what's going on at the Amsterdam right now. Um, so haven't been involved in the Amsterdam in an official capacity for a while, but I am happy to discuss uh, how they've been how they've been doing. I went down myself about a week ago, and I picked up uh, a growler from the Amsterdam, which they're still filling up. They have growlers that you can buy right there. Um, then they're getting more and more deliveries uh, every day for that. But they can you can also bring in your own growler, uh, thirty two ounce, sixty four ounce. They're also doing uh, package sales. I got myself a six pack of Newcastle Brown, which I have on ice. Really? Yeah. I just in case the cake as soon as if the cake <laughs> goes through, I need to go champagne, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather have the brown ale, and I got myself uh, some of those Stan Usual uh, beers from Urban Chestnut, which I'm I almost dude, those a, are good. Almost, those I almost are bought good. a pack the other day. They they are good. I didn't pull a trigger. Yeah. But yeah, they're doing package sales. They're doing uh, liquor sales. They're doing growlers. Of course, Billy's down there most days. But you got the Pats and Lyle. I saw the other day too. So uh, they're all hanging in there. And I've spoken to them and some other guys. Uh, some other of our friends, uh, patrons of the bar, uh, Ian Fowler and, and others, and they're all doing well and hanging in there. Um, obviously, uh, like most local businesses, like most local businesses, restaurants and bars, they could definitely use your support at this time. So if you are local, um, mm-hmm. go down and give, give them a shout. They're doing the, uh, Billy's got his full mask and gloves on. It's no contact. You know, you just set your, ask your order and you get it and you're basically on your way to go. So, um, yeah, check them out. They're still down there and, and hanging tough and doing well. But um, like I said, as any as as hopefully everyone is trying to support local establishments, uh, the Amsterdam is definitely one that's worthy of that. Uh, boys, and I'm going to propose this to the group, and we're going to really get to our United stuff now. Uh, can you uh, can you just think about for a second what's going to happen when they say, okay, guys, bars are open, EPLs playing. Amsterdam's open. Can you imagine that first day, that party? Man, that's going to be pretty cool, isn't it? It's going to be awesome. It's going, I, it's going to be it's going to be great to get back out and see everybody. I'm going to order mm-hmm. my Uber ahead of time. I'll drive you. <laughs> oh man, I, I predict Dane will be taking his Newcastle kit off and going full uh, Ugandan giant. If you guys remember that far back, uh, yeah. I mean, have you doing that with his belly? I'm telling you, yeah. I've seen it. I've been right next to it when it happened. <laughs> I've so, seen it yeah. All right, boys, here we go. Let's do some United stuff here, man. And I feel like we're almost going to do two podcasts with that first part, which is pretty cool. And uh, But I want to get to some United stuff here. All right, There's so, boys, are all, oh, man, here we go. So, uh, look how United will look in 2020, 2021. And what I did is I started playing with that, as a lot of you guys do. Dave's already the, clocked crit- out. <laughs> I'll chip That's in right. when I can. I, 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 I know a little bit about your guys' team. but <laughs> all, right. all right. That's all right. So, but I looked at three formations. 
a three five two, a four two three one, and a four one four one. All right. So I looked at three different formations, and then I also looked at players that we may bring in. It sure looks like Jaden Sancho boys is going to be uh, a member of United uh, next season, which I'm pretty excited about. I'm really excited about Jack Grealish being part of our squad, although. Boys, I almost feel like Pogba's got to leave for Grealish to come, but I'm not sure about that. And Kabale uh, wants to leave, and I'm kind of kind of curious about that cat too because he can flat go. All right, I didn't put Harry Kane in any of these lineups. It's going to take 200 million dollars or 200 million pounds, and that's ridiculous. And you know, and uh, but I didn't put him in there, so I'm trying to be as realistic as possible. I didn't put any more than three transfers. All right, so out of the three formations that I put in there, PK, which one do you think is the most realistic? And which one do you – and what, what do you think about signings that are coming in? I think – so, Rhett, what you put in here was a three-five-two, which is glory days, what we played at CBC yeah. and what we played at SLU. Um, Shaw <laughs> McGuire and AWB <laughs> in the back. You okay. have DeGay and goal, which – that there, if they're playing the way they should be, that's all you need. Yeah, Bruno, McTominay, and Pogba next to each other. Grealish and Sancho on their wing and Rashford and Martial up top. Stupid. Stupid. That's a championship team right there. I, that, that out Of all the lineups you put up there, that one is just silly good. And, uh, God, I pray it happens. That's a lot of attacking players. Matt, out of the three formations, 3-5-2, what do you think? Well, 3-5-2 is going to be the most fun to watch. I mean, I mean, by far, like PK said, I mean, that that's just an absolutely ridiculous lineup up top. And the crazy thing is it's realistic. Like, this could actually happen. Like, this isn't some crazy leaven you threw out. This is, this is the business we could do this summer. The thing that makes me really nervous is having McGuire at the back all by himself. I He's had a good year he hasn't had a great year and he hasn't proven that he could really anchor things down um, enough to where I'd feel comfortable doing a three, five, two, unless we're at home and we're playing against one of the lesser sides. In that I, position, I think, I think the wings go up and down and McTominay plays a half center back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think so I, I, I feel better about a four, two, three, one. I, I think that does give you a little bit more balance. I think it still allows you to attack quite a bit, but, it helps shore things in the back until we feel much more comfortable with what McGuire can do. I'm going to ask you then in a four-two-three-one. My problem was where do you put Jack Grealish? See, I think you know that that's so you got Martial up front, you got Rashford and Sancho on the wing, you got Bruno playing uh, right behind Martial. Well, that's where the Pogba. now I put Conte in there. I'm hoping we could sign him. That dude's sick good. But let's say. Tomine's there. Uh, so where do you put Grealish? Well, that's where I think the, the midfield's starting to get crowded. So I, I've said I think we need to start thinking about life without Pogba. So I think your midfield's Bruno, Grealish, and McTominay. And I think Grealish and Bruno can play. I think Grealish can play a little bit more of that false nine. And then I, th I think McTominay is your holding midfielder, a little bit more of a defensive midfielder. Bruno's that guy that kind of connects the two together. So I, I think – if you do go with that formation, I it, I know I'm going to sound crazy, but I think Pogba is almost odd man out of the whole thing. Oh come on, man! Do you put Pogba <laughs> as, as a as a deep as a deep uh, mid like that in the passes he can those diagonal passes? 
But you're right, though. Today, well, no, it's – yeah, that's not to discredit he's his gotta, ability. He's got to be – He's got to be motivated to play, though. You're right about yeah. that. Yeah, but it's also just what he brings to the table, and I think you've got enough going on in terms of Grealish. I think uh, Bruno has showed he can make those deep-lying passes, and I, I think he's got some of that ability as well. So, you know, and he's it's got, just, it starts to get – it, it gets crowded the will. really quick. If his, if his 45, 60-yard long ball doesn't work out, he has proven that he'll go get it back. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. above Pogba. Dane, what do you think, man? So, from an opposition point of view, the lineup I would least want to see, <laughs> like if Newcastle were playing Manchester United, the lineup I would least want to see Manchester United roll out is probably uh, a variation of three at the back and two up front, or a three a three five two or a five three two, whatever you want to call it. And there are two reasons why. Uh, the first is um, having both uh, Rashford and Martial on the pitch at the same time, unless. Um, Manchester United go out and they buy a genuine, bona fide, top class European number nine. I think it'd be, I think it's a smart play to have both of them on the pitch at the same time. Um, I think they work, I think they can work very well together. And I think that in terms of a defensive assignment, having to deal with both of them, making runs out wide, switching around, playing very fluid, I think that's a bit of a nightmare. And the other reason. Why I think the three-five-two could work for Manchester United is because of the abilities of Harry Maguire. Now, admittedly, we don't know about who the part his partners would be, but in an ideal setup, uh, Manchester United would have three centre backs, and they would let that would allow Maguire to make be a little more aggressive, be a little more creative because he's very good on the ball for a centre back. He's very good at making those deep lying passes that you talked about that Bruno could make, and he's good moving the ball forward too. Um, he's you know, there's, he's he's got the potential to be one of the best center backs in the league, and I think him playing in a, th- a three a, a back three gives him more authority to go do those things that he's so good at. Whereas if he's in a traditional back two partnership, he's not going to be allowed to express himself in the same way. So those would be the two reasons why I would favor that formation if I were Manchester United. But set, having said that, you really do need the personnel. You need another center back who can sit at home and really clean up the mess if Maguire goes on a run. And you need, I agree with Matt, more steel in the midfield. So I wonder if that might be on the cards as well for Manchester United. I wouldn't know that. but Dane, who, who's the guy that when you guys line up against us, um, you don't want to see in the lineup? It's weird um, because Manchester United has been such a strange team in that uh, the past five or so years, there have been all these guys that – have tremendous talent, but maybe have not always translated to it. Um, Paul Pogba, I know he splits opinion, but on his day, when Paul Pogba is good, he is nigh on unplayable. He is one of the best players in the world. And that's I that's not a reflection of maybe how he's always been at Manchester United. He has so not you're happy when he is in or not in the lineup. I'm happy when Pogba doesn't play because okay. if Pogba has a good game, there's no stopping him. I mean you guys have seen it. There have been games, maybe not as many as you wanted, maybe not as many as you expected or hoped, but there have been games where Paul Pogba just says, no, I'm going to win this game. I mean, I remember it. I'm sure city. You the city game a few years ago where it was just like, yeah. nobody could mark this guy. Nobody <clears throat> could touch him. And it's weird to think about him being on the way out when he is a guy who is so unbelievably dangerous on his day. Beyond that, there are good players in the Manchester United lineup. Like Rashford's very good. 
um, Bruno was a, was was a shot in the arm for you guys. But if we're talking like really transformative, like the guy, like I, like like I said, there there was a game a few years ago when Newcastle beat Manchester United and, and Pogba got yanked in like the fiftieth minute, and he was having a he was having a stinker, and I was still glad that they took him off because it's like. All it takes is for him to have one minute on the ball and he can change the game. So I don't know what his future is at United, but I do know he's an incredibly talented player. Um, that's just my two cents. Gotcha. And okay. that's all I asked for. All right. So here we go, guys. This is – I'm going to ask you a series of questions here. And so uh, be, be ready really quick. All right. Uh, does Scott McTominay have to be on the pitch? PK, start with you. Yes, I think he is a guy that you, you, you build your team around. I think he, he plays for the he plays for the badge. Um, he's a Roy Keane kind of player. Um, he, he'll mature to that, I believe. But he gets – That's he, big, big he, shoes. He gets what Manchester United is. Um, you saw it last season when he sat in the dugout after the season ended. He was just ashamed of how everything unfolded. He's a uh, – he, he's that midfielder that – when the ball's being played into you, you hope he's not on your back because it's going to hurt. He's that type of player. And I, you know, I want him to be healthy again. Um, we missed a lot of him this year and a lot of maturing, but the kid's young and he's going to put a lot of hurt on some midfielders in the EPL. So absolutely. Matt, Pogba or Grealish in your superstar world, you know, we're on FIFA 20 right now. You can trade Jack Grealish for Paul Pogba. Do you make that deal? Uh, my personal opinion is going <laughs> to bleed into my, my answer here. But, yeah, I, I, I think you bring in Graylish. I, I think in terms of – I think when you look at them independently of quality of player, I think Pogba is obviously going to be a higher-class player. But I, I think it's an addition-by-subtraction deal when you bring out Pogba. Yeah, Graylish. I think Graylish is just going to flow into what we're trying to build right now. And I think he's just going to be able to add more. And I think Pogba's inconsistency – and I think the ego, I think, goes out the door when bringing Graylish. So I think it's just, you know, you look at what Bruno's brought in, and he's been an unselfish player, and he's been playing for the other guys, and it's just been a huge impact for us. I think Graylish could do the same thing. Dane, do you think Harry Kane could, one, will he ever go to Test United? Or do you think Harry Kane could ever be a Newcastle United player? <laughs> um, it's crazy. That two hundred million doesn't sound too bad over at Newcastle uh, anymore. I know, man. That's what I'm saying. I can I see. Him, I, I can see him running off doing the Shearer thing. That would be uh, something else. Um, Shearer would be the number nine kid. You know he would. I don't know. That's a, that's a really good question because he's a he's a North London kid, um, and you know he said he's made all the right noises about Spurs, but you know the fact of the matter is is that two or three years Tottenham spends out of the sight of the Champions League. I mean. He's one of the best players in the world. He wants to play in the Champions League. I think that's going to color his opinion. Could I see him going to Manchester United? Yeah. I mean, again, money talks and, and trophies talk. And right now, as you guys and everybody in the whole world knows, as good as Spurs has been, have been for the past four or five years, they haven't won anything. Zero. They haven't won anything. So um, eventually he's going to want that. And, um, I could see him moving on. Um, I mean, you got to look at two, the next five years, what team yeah. in the EPL is positioned to win more trophies? Man I United or Spurs, like between the two. Yeah. I mean, Man United Spurs, but also city city's declining Liverpool, of course. maybe two or three years left at the top. 
United's looking pretty good the next five to six years with their youth. Super young squad. Super young squad. And we've got players coming too. And, Dan, so, I mean, we're drinking our own Kool-Aid. Dan, you tell us if we're wrong. Um, I wouldn't. Uh, we're wrong. He hesitated. Uh, well, I wouldn't. <laughs> so I, I, don't think, I don't think that Manchester United have the right manager yet, and I don't think that Ooh. City are going to go away Ooh. anytime soon. Um, mm. So I think those are problems. And um, the other thing about Harry Kane that's so interesting – well, maybe not interesting, but – a little worrying for him is because he's been he's been injured so much that I wonder yes. Spurs are going to have this really really high price tag on him and rightly so but would Manchester United really put 200 million pounds on a guy who has been injured for and are they setting price? that price tag for an EPL team or a Chinese team you know right exactly um, would you rather have Kane or Son from uh, Tottenham Hotspur Kane or Son who would you rather have? I would rather have Son. I would have Son. I mean, that I guy is, vers- is versatile. He is great on the counter. He can score with either foot. Uh, Kane is really a traditional upfront guy that holds the line. If Kane were 100% healthy, I would say Harry Kane, Harry Kane, Harry Kane. But you can't replace goals. So you say Kane? I say Kane. Matt? I like Son. I, I think he's more. I think he's a bit more of an exciting player. I think he's a little more versatile. Daner, if it was today, if I wanted to play, if it was a pickup game, it would be Hung Ming Son. But if it was for the next five years, it would be Harry Kane because Son is almost thirty, um, and I think Kane still has, even despite the injuries, Kane still has some good years left in him. Lots of good years okay. left in him. Okay, boys. A couple things we got to get done. Uh, the problem is right now we got Harry Maguire, and we're talking about. Uh, who's going to be paired up with him? Luke Shaw was in a back three with him, along with uh, Wamba Saka. My question for you, PK, starting with you, is Eric Bailly, does he have a future at Man United? I hope so. Oh. Man, uh, he, like I, I said, he's the guy that's always out of town on your beer league team. Um, I just hope he's healthy. I, I don't know what's going on with it. I, you know, in some of the injuries, he might be soft and not ready to play. I, I think he's our best center back. Period. I think he's better than Harry Maguire. I trust him more than Maguire. He's just not healthy enough and not getting experience enough. And Boy, uh, Rash challenges, though, PK. Man. I, I like love the challenges. He gets out of it, though. Okay, he, I love it. Name, name one penalty kick where you're like, oh, man, Baye totally screwed the pooch on that. We don't have one. You, you can see the no, There's a couple. Yeah. There's yeah. a couple. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I, th- I think he's our most talented center back, even with Harry Maguire in that conversation, but he's just not healthy. Um, and you, you, right. you need consistency to be consistent in the EPL, and he's just not there. I want him to be healthy. I want him to be our best center back, but he hasn't been since we've had him. So, with that being him- said, Matt, are we in for a world-class center back? Are yeah, we I, in for, I, like, Cole, Cole Bolley? Should we Should we go after a world-class center back? Or do yeah, you I mean, I, I th- squad right now. No, I, I well, I, I do want to see Bai come good. But if if a guy like Kabali is on the market and he's available, you're going to go after him. I mean, be stupid not to. It's so hard. Well, it, right, but so it's so hard to go out and buy a world class center back. It's just it's it's a very tough position to find. So if Kabali is honestly on the market, you're going to try to go in all on him. 
and it's only going to make our team better. You know, even if we want to, you know, as much as we want to see Bayi and, and Lindelof and all these other guys come good, if, if the Kabali comes up, you're going to go for him and you're going to play him. Dane, if you had a chance to sign Diego Delo or Luke Shaw to Newcastle United, would you try to sign either one of those players? Oof. Um, I don't know. For Newcastle, it's a weird one because our our, our fullback positions have been okay. So that wouldn't. You got nine thousand fullbacks. I was going to say that's not that big of a deal. <laughs> Luke Shaw's an interesting one. I feel like Luke Shaw has had such a strange time at Manchester United. There are games where I really like him, where I think he looks good, and I mean he's obviously got crazy speed to burn. Um, but I don't, I don't know. That's a tough one. I, I, I would have to think more. I, I, I haven't watched too much of Delo, but um, Luke Shaw is, I think, is a good player. I think there's a spot for him at Manchester United too. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm speaking incorrectly there. But I, I think he's a decent no, no, player. no. No, I, I like Luke Shaw a bunch. Uh, Delo right now is uh, being rumored to go to PSG. Yeah. Uh, and also Tottenham Hotspur right now, uh, because Joseph Marino really liked. Uh, Delo. Hey, this isn't a question on here, but I'm going to ask this question to you, PK, uh, before we get into the forgotten aspect. And here we go. All right. Here's my question. All right. Will Jose Marino, will he be at Tottenham Hotspur in 2022? No, I think next year is his last year with Tottenham. I, Matt, I, fully, I fully believe it. Matt? Yeah, I think we're going to see the typical Jose meltdown. Well, uh, will Steve keep his job, Dane, after the sale? Steve Bruce? Yes. Uh, he will, I think he will keep it in the immediate future. If the sale goes through in the next couple of days or like a week or so, and we eventually have you know, the final nine games to play out or whatever they decide on, I think he'll keep his job then. Uh, but as soon as the season's over, no. I, I can't see it. Um, you don't spend 300 350 million pounds on a, a football club. You don't invest 100 million pounds in the infrastructure. You don't spend 200 million pounds in the transfer window. And then you hand the keys over to Steve Bruce. Like, I'm sorry. He's done a commendable job in difficult circumstances. But He's a Jordy. He's a Jordy. His mom, his mom and dad, they, they, they were like Newcastle season ticket holders. That I'm, guy, man. And he's a great United player. I'm friends with plenty of Jordys, Rhett, and none of them are qualified to manage Newcastle United either. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think Steve Bruce is a good guy. I think his heart is in the right place. I think he's done a – like I said, I do. I genuinely – I say this genuinely. I think he's done a commendable job. And if he hadn't done as well, if Newcastle were, say, in 19th or 20th, I don't think this sale goes through. But the reality is if the, ambition, if the, if the new owners display the ambition that we all think they will, he will not be around for long. All right, all right, good enough. All right, boys, here we go. This is called The Forgotten. What's their role in 2021? The Forgotten, because we're talking about all these great lineups and all these great players coming in and, you know, all these combinations. But there's some players here who have really contributed to Manchester United at, at this point, kind of forgotten about. So here we go, all right? PK, starting with you, Daniel James. What's his role? Does he go out on loan? Does he stay? Is he a squad player? Uh, what's your thoughts on Daniel James? Go. He stays. He's young. He's an influencer. He's already proven he can have an effect on the game. Um, I, I think he's one of our top assist guys this season. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, it's a long season. If you're playing Europa and Champions League, you need, you need guys, you need bodies, and he's effective when he plays. 
Um, he might not put points on the board, but the other team has to account for him. So I think he's a guy that's an effective player for Manchester United for the next couple of years. Matt Hudson, your favorite player, Fred, the Brazilian. Uh, we're not <laughs> even, we don't have him in any of our starting lineups. Uh, what happens to Fred? He's odd man out, and I, I think he's definitely going to be a squad player. I think, but I think he's a guy who, if we're in Europa or if we're in Champions League games and we're playing some of those smaller teams, I think he's going to have a role play. He seems to do really well in those European games. I think the styles fits him better. It's, it's not quite as fast. It's not quite as physical, and he's able to do more with the ball. Um, I think the only thing I fear there is he seems to – have only improved for us when he's been playing more games and he's been around the same guys around him. He doesn't seem to adapt well. So I, I fear he may have a drop-off next year if he's not starting consistently, but I think he's got a role play, especially in Europe. Dane, Juan Mata, who at one point at Chelsea, man, was a guy you had to fear. He's been a great player at Manchester United. Uh, his uh, his uh, goal at Anfield uh, was one of my favorite goals of all time at Manchester United. Uh, Juan Mata, what do you think about him? What role does he have at Manchester United or as Newcastle United try to poach him? <laughs> so I don't, I don't know about that, the Newcastle aspect. I will Keep say this. Uh, tape. I'm, I will say this. I, I might be a little biased here. I, Juan Mata is one of my favorite players to never play for Newcastle. Um, he's, he's a guy I've, I've enjoyed watching at Chelsea and Manchester United. I don't know about him being a starter. But he's a guy I feel like is valuable to have off the bench because he's great at set pieces. He's, I think, a good presence in the locker room. He's a veteran who's won everything there is to win. He's a gentleman think, of the sport. I think there are worse guys to have around mm-hmm. in a squad of 25 than Juan Mata. He's an ambassador to the club. Plus, who's the greatest player in the Premier League? It's Juan Mata. Juan Mata. We'll teach you that one, Dane. Yeah, that's, right. that's, all right. that's a good one. All right. PK, your favorite player of all time for Manchester United, Phil Jones. Phil Jones. Uh, I think he's shuffling on. Uh, he's been in the press box long enough for Manchester United. He needs to go play somewhere. I think he's got about two or three years left in his career. Um, I, 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 I like Phil Jones. He's been dedicated, but he, he doesn't fit. I'm missing – you know, my two favorite memes of all time, uh, uh, Fellini and Phil Jones, those two guys are leaving the club. Uh, that, that, that stresses me, I'm just saying. Uh, uh, okay, Matt, uh, Timothy Fastu Minsa, guy with great, great promise. We've seen him out in loan a couple times. He's been injured. Uh, a really gifted athletic player, um, but uh, just really hasn't quite hit stride yet. Does he have any gears left here at Manchester United? No, I, I think he's hit that point in his career where he just keeps getting loaned out and loaned out, and it's just not really sticking. And, and sometimes the loans can be a good thing, but I think that's got to be a short-term deal. I think when you've gone out multiple loans, I think the writing's on the wall and you're on your way out of the club. So as much as we like watching him play, I just don't think he's he's up to snuff when you compare it to the other guys that we've got. Okay. Um, Dane, for you, Andres Piera, right? 23 years old, Brazilian uh, we've had to play him at times, has uh, uh, shown flashes of brilliance, but really has been extremely inconsistent for Manchester United. I've not been all that impressed when I've seen him play, and I think you, might, you guys might be having a crowded midfield next year. Um, I think alone might be okay, but if he is already 23 or 24, then I don't know, maybe sell him. I don't, I don't see it, honestly. 
but I also haven't watched him play as much as you guys. Uh, uh, PK, going to go ahead and move on to the teenager, Mason Greenwood, a phenomenal player, uh, scored over 10 goals already this year in all competitions for Manchester United. Uh, we're bringing in uh, Jaden Sancho. Uh, we have um, uh, Anthony Martial and Marcus Rashford as well and some attacking players. Uh, where do you see him fitting in for uh, in the 2021 season? He's a diamond in the rough. He's, he's the kid that you're going to play on those turf, cold nights in Europe, let him earn his uh, keep. But he's a, he, he's a diamond in the rough. He, he's a natural goal scorer. He, he's 18, 19 years old. Um, we're still six, seven years away from his prime. You, you fit him when, when it makes sense. Um, he, he fits, but it's going to be on Boy, those off nights when just let him mm-hmm. play. Boy, that's scary, PK. We're talking about his prime is in six years, and he's got, what, 11, 12 goals this year? And he just wow. finds it. He just whacks it. Like it, it, it. His sense for the goal to find the frame is just unnatural. And it, it's scary of how good of a forward that kid's going to be because he, he doesn't know anything about soccer yet. And uh, he's, he's, he's bagging goals. Yeah, he's bulging the old bunion, uh, onion basket. I mean, he's unbelievable. That's right, man. That's right. Uh, Matt, Nemanja Matic. Matic. Uh, I think we're going to sign to a one-year deal. Uh, Matic, I like him a bunch. Uh, he's, uh, he, he started the year looking like he's 50 years old. But as the season came along, we had to play him. He was a real calming influence on the pitch and the dressing room. Uh, what are your thoughts with him moving forward? Yeah, I, I hope we keep him. I hope we can sign him for another year. I think he's one of those guys where I think he is going to be able to teach Matamine a lot about that role, about that holding midfielder. Uh, I, it, when he's out there, I see him playing in front of the, the, back, uh, the back four or, or back three or whatever that formation is. I think he's right in front of the defense. And he's a calming presence. I mean, that's the best thing about him is when he's out there, he doesn't make mistakes. He distributes the ball really, really well. He's a veteran. He's been in the league for a long time, and I just feel safe when he's out there. And you need those guys that you just – they're out there like, okay, we're going to be good there. Dane, uh, Alexis Sanchez, we uh, put out on loan. He was hurt in Italy. Uh, Inter said, hey, man, you know, thanks but no thanks. Uh, you can have him back. Uh, uh, Oli has been on record as saying, hey, we'd love to have Alexis back. We think he's got a good years in front of him. Uh, the Chile national, uh, the Chilean national team coach has said, hey, listen, we still think he's got something left in the tank. Where do you see this guy, man, besides the most overpriced player in the world? Yeah, yeah no, I wouldn't have him in the Manchester United squad. That's nice of What about Ole. Newcastle? No. <laughs> no, I, no. Honestly, I wouldn't take him in Newcastle squad now. I wouldn't. Put Andy him, Carroll. I wouldn't put him in. Andy Carroll. Honestly, Alexis Sanchez was once one of the best players in the Premier League. But look, he's damaged goods. He's one old. Year. He's not. Yeah, he had a good six so months. He's not. So, <laughs> oh no, he was. That Arsenal is very good, but uh, he, he's not big. I wouldn't play him over Miguel Almiron or Alan Saint Maximum. That's where I think of. Alexis Sanchez, and considering the wages he's still on, I mean, no, no. Yeah. PK, I left one name off the off the forgotten list, and I wanted you to comment on this. Victor Lindelof, who started all season long and really has kind of had a down season this year, uh, really got beat in the air a lot um, uh, for goals. Um, I think he positions himself well. He's a hard worker. I really like Lindelof, but. I keep thinking we need an upgrade at that spot. That's why I didn't put him in any of my starting uh, 
starting 11s on any three of those formations. What are your thoughts on Lindelof? I I don't think he's had a bad year, to be all honest. I mean, we paint him like a villain, and I think he's been okay. He, he, and the problem is, I use the word okay. Um, you know, he had a good season last year. This year has been a little up and down. Uh, he, he's been better than he was. I mean, he's improved every season, I think. I, correct me if I'm wrong, the group. But uh, No, he, he has. He's got better. Is he an EPL center back? I mean, he's had some great games, and he's had some garbage. But, you know, the way that we play, that position is under siege every game. So um, I think Lindelof has been sufficient. I hate using that word for players in the EPL, and especially for Manchester United or any soccer team or sports team I cheer for. Uh, sufficient isn't good enough, but I think he's been sufficient, to be all honest. Well, and at the end of the day, I, anytime there's a set piece – People are picking on him. I oh, feel yeah. Like they call- yeah, the ball okay. goes – well, and that could be that could be our, on our side is that's their target too. Yeah, yeah. You know, I am I playing the ball to the target? Or am I playing to, the, to who Lindelof is marking? All right, boys, it's been a long podcast, and so we're going to go on to our next segment called No, You Didn't. No. All right, now we got three really, really good ones. And, and they are uh, – only one of them is football – is uh, a world football related, so – we're going to start off with American football and this Ben Hutchinson's turn. Uh, Crunk and Brady going to Tampa Bay and cheating already, Matt. No, you didn't. I hate Tom Brady. It's it's some people call it an obsession. I like to call it a hobby. How much I hate Tom Brady. He's he's already breaking the rules down there. He's uh, he he got kicked out of a park for breaking the social distancing rules down there in Tampa. So he's breaking the law. He uh, accidentally – well, he says accidentally. I, I doubt it was an accident, but he, he walked into the wrong house the other day. So he walking into the wrong already, mansion? He's already, I know, he's already, I know. He's already committing breaking and entering, so he's breaking breaking several laws already. So he's, he's already getting in trouble. Um, I want to see him fail miserably. I think he's nothing more than a system quarterback. Uh, independently, probably Gronk going down there is one of the best things that could have happened to Tom because he's going to have a safety blanket down there, and 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 unfortunately that's going to help him out. So, but I I hope to see a losing season, and I hope see, he breaks and, his leg, and, and then he has to retire. My one of my best friends <laughs> is a, a hardcore Buccaneers fan. He said, you know what? We now we have a game manager, we have another tight end, and we have a running back, and we have three receivers. Like I I think they're going to be really good this year. I don't know anything about football, but that's why I'm being the, told. The social media response to this whole thing has been really funny because there's a lot of people that they've only grew they grew up with Tom Brady being their quarterback. They know no other quarterback. So for him to leave to go to Tampa Bay and now Gronk, arguably the best one of the yeah. best tight ends of all time, to go down there, they're know, they're who, they're gonna be Bucks fans. They're, they're not gonna know what to do. They're gonna be Bucks fans. I don't even do they have quarterbacks in England? I don't know. Uh, uh, uh draft was tonight. I bet they went I bet they tried to draft somebody. I, I, I don't know. quit yeah, paying attention, but yeah. All right, hey, guys, I don't know about you guys, but the other night I watched the uh, tribute to Prince on uh, CBS. Whoa, that was such a great concert, man. I mean, there it was, was amazing. So many. Oh, absolutely gosh, amazing. Man, you know, I love uh, uh, what's his name? Chris Martin and Suzanne Hoffs uh, playing man, singing Meet Monday, which Prince wrote, which I didn't know. Which I had which no idea. Pretty... There's so many yeah, songs, like nothing compares. Yeah. Uh, man yeah. Monday. Uh, there's so many songs that Prince wrote. He's like, Kind of like Neil Diamond, where there's all these mm-hmm. hit songs where you're like, "Yeah, oh, I didn't know yeah. he was the originator of that." Man, it was so awesome. So, PK, uh, what is your favorite all-time Purple Kit? 
my favorite all-time purple kit <laughs> is the 97-98 Real Madrid away. It's a Kelmy kit. And then you're thinking, Google it. It's phenomenal. I have to. <laughs> you know why it's phenomenal? To. Because my freshman year at CBC. Oh, no. Here we go. I set you up with this question because I thought it was going to be my favorite kit of all time is the CBC purple kit. That's but, why no. I, that's why so I gave we you had the, we had so CBC got those kits my freshman year for varsity. And so it was the kit and then in front of the sponsor they put CBC but still had the Real Madrid logo on top and uh oh god they, they had them <laughs> they had them until from I, my freshman year 98 till like 2006 2007 where if you won state you got to keep a jersey or two. Um so my brother's team I actually have a jersey from them in 89 when they won state but uh i was so upset a guy I played college with uh kevin billikey like that was one of the jerseys that team kept i was like god damn it like i wanted to keep those jerseys because they were so <laughs> awesome so so if you guys are listening google the uh the 97 98 real madrid away Kelmies. oh my god they were one of the best kits i've ever seen they're sharp and i i sat matt and read those jerseys i mean you guys mm. can attest to it oh, very sharp very good sharp. looking yeah, kid my, and they're, they're uh, black purple white with some pipe oh my god they're so great but that's what it is but the print special was awesome though man I'm telling you, that was raspberry great. um beret. oh yeah um, raspberry. that's right yeah i bought right, a second store that's i heard that yeah <laughs> so all right daner does the st louis chargers have a nice ring to it especially with those new sick unis oh my gosh as the, he wears a metal shirt Woo! yeah i'm telling you but crocky is going to have to testify the supreme court says no you can't go to arbitration there are billions of dollars of implication in this. Do you think the Chargers would actually come to St. Louis today? Uh, no, in a word, no. But I'm, I'll tell you what, I am very much looking forward to uh, Enos Stanley Kroenke and the rest of his goons from the NFL being drugged into the St. Louis courtroom uh, in October of 2021. And it would be nice if some produce was thrown at him, you know, maybe a couple heads of lettuce or a few tomatoes. I love it. That would be nice. Um, it, it would be. I, I'm really, really looking forward. Maybe more than I ought to, but I've, I'm getting some delightful, shameful joy out of watching him and his NFL buddies squirm because I think St. Louis has got a great chance of, of, of embarrassing them on a national uh, stage and then also extracting hundreds of millions of dollars from them as well in damages. So that is some good news. Uh, I think it ever goes to court. I think they're going to settle for a whole bunch of money, but I think they will dangle the um, the Chargers with with the St. Louis. Although, quite frankly, man, I'm a massive NFL fan or was. Um, I don't think I would buy tickets. Uh, I'm still all MLS in. Yeah. So, Matt, we're going to go get some bobs, and we're going to start with you. So, I just want I'm going to go through a bunch of players here. I'm going to ask you about them, see what you think. So, uh, here we go. First. Catino to Chelsea. Former Liverpool yeah, I, guy. All right, so what do you think? Yeah, I can see it happening. I, I think Coutinho has not lived up to expectation of Barcelona. Barcelona's a, a mess right now, and so I think they may be looking to shake some things up. I think he'll be looking to get out of there, and I think Chelsea's a good spot for him. I think they're going to be looking to upgrade. Um, he, he's obviously had the best part of his career in the Premier League, so I, I think it's a move that makes total sense. I can see it happening. PK, uh, Marcus Rashford said that – Marino made him a better footballer. Uh, he did get a start with Louis Van Hall, 
Um, so what do you think about all that? Do you think, you know, uh, Jose did make Rashford a better player? Yeah, I can see that. I, I've, I've had coaches where I have not been happy playing with, and then you fast forward a couple of years and you're like, oh, that's what they were talking about. So, yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I think that's an absolute possibility. Dana, this is a double stuff for you. First, Newcastle is in for Cavani and Vidal. Do you think that if the sale goes through, that will be two of your prime targets? Um, so the, so I would probably think not. Um, that's maybe just because I'm still thinking of old Newcastle. The Cavani one is fascinating because he's with, he's with Paris Saint-Germain right now, who is, of course, owned by the Qataris, the guys who do B in sports as well. Um, and they <laughs> not like the Saudis, and the Saudis don't like the Qataris, but he's going to be a free agent. So – Maybe that's like a big statement signing, like, look who's come to spoil the party. <laughs> I probably wouldn't think it because both are on the wrong side of 30 or getting close to it with Vidal. Um, but who knows? This Saudi money could change everything. So I guess I wouldn't rule anything out. Uh, and the other one, so you say Steve Bruce, no, no, no. Now, I know that you are a Rafa, you know, you're on the Rafa train, but uh, there is a guy, Mauricio Pacchettino, who is available? Hundred percent to be bought. Going to happen. Mm-hmm. All right, Dana. What do you think, man? It is. St- it's, I'm still struggling to process these conversations. Like <laughs> so the takeover hasn't happened yet, and so I'm Money. close to even talk about it. But um, obviously, yes, I'm. I'm still partial. Like if I could bring any one manager to Newcastle, it would be Rafa Benitez. But what a, what a crestfall if it doesn't happen. He's he's in China and he's got the the big the big contract there and he might not want to do it for whatever reason, but because it's China, I don't know, but here's the thing. Mercio Pochettino is a great manager and he would be an incredible, incredible addition. Like if that was the first thing they did, um, because that's probably what will happen. They'll hire a manager before they'll do any transfer business. I mean, you want to talk about a statement of intent. That would be a bigger statement of intent than buying any striker. Like to have Pochettino in charge, that would be, that would be the signal that, yeah, this is a, a top four charge. This isn't just we're going to make the, the numbers anymore. I would be over the moon if that happens. I think Pep's okay. going to end up there. <laughs> hey, man, so he always follows the money. Uh, Another Matt, option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt, uh, so I'm going to ask you on this one. Timo Werner to Liverpool. Liverpool really hasn't been big in the transfer market. I mean, they're loaded right now. That dude is a straight striker, man. Young guy, uh, you know, real quick. Uh, and uh, that's the kind of player Liverpool will go after. You see that sign happen? Yeah, I, I think they're going to have to make some moves. I, I'm not super familiar with Timo Warner, to be honest. But I, I think they're going to have to reload if they're going to continue to be um, one of the top teams in the next three years. I think, I think they're well situated for the next two. But I think beyond that, they're going to have to start thinking about some moves. And um, based on what I hear about the guy, I think he'd be a good one. Okay. All right. Uh, PK, uh, Chelsea, in on Ben Chilwell. Uh, do you think that he stays at Leicester, or do you think Chelsea's money draws him over there? I, I think Leicester's a more fun club to play for. You know, money, whatever, but if you're going to enjoy your job, I think Leicester's the place to be. There's so much pressure when you go to play with Chelsea in a club like that. <clears throat> Leicester's just fun. I mean, you know, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're okay, but, man – can you imagine? There's no EPL team right now that's more fun to play for than Leicester. 
I mean, there's no one on the screen right now that's going to agree, not agree with that. Um, no doubt. And plus, just, you know, Chelsea is in the, in the middle of a big – you talk about a transformation here. Pedro's going to be gone. Um, yeah, you've, oh, you've, you've got a club Drew. transformation. They're trying to redefine their, their identity yeah. to go to Chelsea. And you got Lester's like, hey, we're in second place. We don't know either. Uh, yeah, that that that's part of it, you know. I I think Leicester is a very attractive team to stick with, especially with what they have going. Um, whether they keep them or not, we'll find out. You know, vis-a-vis Conte, vis-a-vis Maguire. Uh, I can't believe they've hung on to Vardy this long, but uh, yeah, I, I think he stays. Uh, um, so anyway, so those are the bits and bobs here, guys. And so uh, we're drawn to the end of the show. And if you guys, I don't know if you guys have been looking at the clock at all. We've been talking now for about an hour and a half. Jesus Christ. And it, it feels like, like me and you, you, you know, the three of us have just been shooting the breeze now for like 30 minutes at the bar. You know, it's and here it out is. of the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really is, man. Yeah. So it really is. So I, we're going to end this, uh, in this segment right here with uh, what are you watching? All right. And what do you watch? It doesn't have to be football. It doesn't have to be, it could be something on Netflix, it could be something on, uh, you know, on, on uh, you know, regular television. But what are you guys watching right now? And so uh, that's how I want to end our show this evening. And so, Dana, we're going to start with you, man. What are you watching? Sure. So I, I'll throw out two recommendations. One on Netflix. I watched a really good movie the other day. It's a comedy uh, called The Death of Stalin. Uh, it's about the Soviet Union. Uh, Steve Buscemi plays Nikita Khrushchev. Jeffrey oh, that is in hilarious. It. I love uh, Michael Palin of Money Python fame. So it's a it's a funny oh, wow. send up of uh, the Soviet political system immediately after Stalin died. And then uh, I just started uh, yesterday on Hulu. They're doing like a HBO trial on Hulu. So if you have that, I'm checking out McMillions, which hmm. is the show. Um, about the Monopoly McDonald's scam that happened for about 10 years. You guys remember? Oh, I I read about that. Yeah. Yeah. This is a fascinating show. And I don't usually get HBO, but they're doing a a trial on Hulu. And so that's kind of a a lighthearted true crime um, if if that sort of thing exists. So that's a really fun show as well. So that's what I've been watching. All right, Matt, what about you, Beth? Yeah, current stuff that's been on Westworld's been really good this year. It's been a completely uh, different setting this year. They've they've left the park, and and so that's been a lot of fun to see where that's gone. Um, PK and I are are big fans of the lead actress. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, Better Call Saul's been really good this year. That just wrapped up this past week. Um, next year is going to be the the last uh, season. I think it's gotten to the point where breaking bad was if not better it's it's been pretty crazy what's happened last couple seasons so looking forward to what happens next season and then just for something dumb and fun to watch i uh finally got back into american vandal um a lot of people saw <laughs> that one with the, the dick dick pics in season one well season two is about a brownout where everybody shits their pants at school and it's actually been it's been a lot of fun it's it's a pretty stupid show but it's pretty hilarious okay pk I'm I'm at a couple shows right now. So Matt's uh, recommendation last week or whenever it was was Shit's Creek, which I, I've mm. hilarious. Uh, the sun in the show is great. Uh, what we do in the shadows, phenomenal. Another I, I absolutely, absolutely love that show. Um, I've started rewatching Scrubs. I watched Scrubs through college. Scrubs is such a great. Uh, it's one of those shows that'll make you laugh and cry in the same episode, and in um, Cheers. 
I can watch Cheers all day, every day. That that's a show I just throw on when I got nothing going on. Um, Sam Malone, obviously, Glory Days is one of my heroes. So uh, uh, th- those shows, unbelievable. Like uh, that, that, that's what I watch now. I a guy's got a couple for you. Uh, if you never watch Mad Men, go back and rewatch that. Uh, Mad Men's one of the greatest shows ever on television. I love that show. Um, the Lost, The Last Kingdom, which is about uh, uh, yeah, it's a great show. The yes. third season's coming out uh, Sunday. Yes. Phenomenal yes. show. It's, it's kind of Vikings. Uh, Alfred the Great. Uh, really, really a History. Tr- based on Soccer. two characters. Yeah. 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 It's so, it's so good. good. Stuff. Yeah. And then, okay, I'm going to show you. I'll tell you guys about a show that is totally ridiculous. Not to be in the right frame of mind to watch it, but it's Aquafina in Queens, and it is that Aquafina lady is just hilarious. And it, the show makes you almost uncomfortable. That's it's a, it's that type of show, but it's actually pretty funny. That's good. And so it's not, yeah, but it's on PBS. It's called Aquafina in Queens, and she is really really funny. She was in uh, Crazy Rich Asians, which is a, if you haven't never seen that movie. That is a phenomenally – it's just so, so funny. It's a great, great movie to watch that. But Aquafina and Queen, so I like those three as well. So, all right, man. Guys, that is the end of our show. And those are the sounds of Manchester's own Stone Roses. Letting us know that we're in the end of the show. I'm your host, Red Oldham, along with the rest of the crew. Patrick Kelly, Matt Hutchinson, we're Brian Cash out at an assignment along with Dane Watkins. Ta-ta. We'll be back. that's right we'll be back uh, next week with another installment of the St. Louis Red Army podcast we'll break down all things EPL all things pro football and whatever we feel like talking about thanks for joining us and remember glory glory man united